Well, welcome. So good to see you and have you in this moment and this time to kind of hear what God has to say. For those that are home with us, we thank you for being with us. We're looking at Luke. We're looking at the prodigal son. We're talking about living forgiven. Turn somebody and say living. Are you living forgiven? All right. We're going to talk about that. There's three characters that many of us know are in this story, but I want us to look at it from a different perspective because many times even a story that you know God has some new insight and revelation for you. So the first one is the father. Now, the father, he was offended. He just didn't take offense. Imagine a younger son coming to you and saying, Hey, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but give me what's mine. That would be kind of offensive. I I don't know how you that is. And oftentimes, because this is the picture of God, but I want you to see yourself as a believer that you are in that place where you have been offended. Because in this character, the character did not take up offense. And because of that, had the ability to give forgiveness. All that forgiveness has, had the ability to give that. Then we have the younger son. He was offended because something got under his cross. Something happened where he came out and says, I'm out of here. Give it. I want it. It's like either I don't like my position, I don't like how it's being done, I'm not being treated right. Something offended him that he would come to that place. And a deception, a lie, gripped his heart. He felt like I had to take what's mine and I had to go and do what I needed to do. Well, while he's out there living his life, God kind of deals with deception and breaks it down until he begins to realize something. I'm living in famine. I'm fighting with pigs over, over broken gourds. <laughs> yeah. The slaves in my dad's house, the servants in my dad's house, they had it better than I have it now. I'm just going to ask my dad not to restore me, but will you just make me one of your servants? Can, can I just be that? And so he comes back. The father sees him far off. He comes running, grips his arms around him, and gives him gifts, gives him a robe, gives him a ring of authority, puts new shoes on him, throws a party so the whole community knows, I am restoring him to the position that I have for him. And all these happened because He didn't take offense, and he gave the gifts of forgiveness. And so what we know from the story right then is that from there on, that the prodigal son lived happily ever after, right? That's how it goes. You know, something happens, and everything's good now. Well, the the eldest son, he got offended, and he's up saying, you know, What's this deal? You never gave me. Well, that's not true. You got a double portion, son, and you got it at the same time I gave it to the other. You stayed here and managed like you did. You're saying is, I have a grudge. This jerk took from us. It hurt us. We've been trying to work our way back. What punishment is he going to get? What's it going to cost him? Well, it just already cost him his entire inheritance. So there's this odds and he doesn't want to enter into the house into the place God has for him 
So my question for you as we talk about these characters is, are you living forgiven? Are you living your life forgiven? Because I think that many of us aren't. We know that God comes to forgive, but we, we haven't taken, because if it, if it had we taken it, we would be living different lives because we knew we were forgiven. Jesus removed the wall of sin. He restored this relationship, but you and I have picked up a lot of baggage along the way. And we're just carrying around. We got it all neatly managed. We got it on rollers so that we can kind of move it quickly. But wherever we're going, we've got our baggage with us. Family dinner, our baggage. Meeting at work, our baggage. Going to school, got our baggage. We're ready. Because we're carrying all this stuff. Because we don't know we've been forgiven. And, well, there's some people that... We need to hold accountable because they, you know, they got some things to take care of before we forgive them. And so we got this baggage that we have. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins to him, which is God, to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us of every, every. We don't hear that word, every wrong. Jesus completely erase all records. Problem is, I believe many of us are not living forgiven. We don't accept that. And we just want to carry this weight and this, this baggage. We want to keep around. So before I get into some things that we're carrying, I thought I'd talk to us a little bit quickly about what forgiveness is not. It's not. Turn to somebody. He's saying not. This is not forgiveness, all right? Make sure you understand that, all right? It's not justifying our actions or someone else's actions. Well, it was a bad day. Well, you deserved it. You make me angry. <laughs> no one makes you angry, all right? You don't know the stress. You don't know the things. You don't, you don't justify your actions. You don't justify someone else. That's a lot of where we're enabling people because we just justify it. I'm not saying you're screaming out, you yell at it. You don't justify it. You don't excuse it away. You've got to recognize it's a problem that has to be dealt with. Number two, it's not believing, not believing that time heals all wounds. Just a heads up, time heals nothing. I can cut myself and maybe in a few days later it's healed, but my body did the healing. It worked hard on it, not time, not the clock. And we kind of think somehow that time, if I forget about it, if I ignore it, if I don't talk to the other person long enough, it'll disappear. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Always going to be a problem. The other thing is we kind of think that denying and, and not denying that you've been hurt. If I forgive, it's like I'm saying that I've not been hurt. It's not saying you've not been hurt. Many of us have been wounded. Many of us have been betrayed. Maybe there's some deep wounds that have happened. Okay? Well, I can't forgive the other person because it'll be saying that that didn't happen. It doesn't mean that at all. It means I no longer want to be chained to this problem. I no longer want to be chained to this offense. I don't want to relive this thing all the time. Cut it. 
Very important thing. The other thing is not demanding an apology or confronting that person personally. Well, as soon as you forgive me, well, you know how that goes, don't you? Well, I'm sorry. Nah, no, you're not really. Well, I, I just said I'm sorry. No, you don't understand. You don't really know what you did. You know how that's going to go, right? So demanding it and then to personally say, you owe me an apology. That doesn't get anything either, all right? That's not going to ever go anywhere. And number five, not seeking to get even or holding a grudge. Until that pound of flesh has been paid, until that cost has happened, I have a judgment. You're a jerk. You did this. You intentionally did this. You did this on purpose. I have judgments. Otherwise, there's things I say about you. There's something wrong with you. There's something broken. I have a judgment. Well, some of that's true. That's a judgment, folks. It's a judgment because it comes with your anger, your hurt. You ruined with this. And you may state something true, but it comes out of your hurt, your anger, and your woundedness. It's a wrong judgment. And Scripture says, I will multiply that and bring it back upon you. Because whatever you do, God says, I will multiply. Genesis was to be a blessing of everything good because there was only good in it. We brought sin and judgments into the world. Now they get multiplied. And that judgment we have for somebody else comes back on me. So it's not that. I'm just going to throw in a bonus one, okay? It's not just saying I'm sorry. Now you forget. See, a lot of us think that. Well, if I say I'm sorry, you have to forget it. Well, we're not wired that way. We're going to remember, all right? And here's what you're really doing. It says, I said, I'm sorry. Now you have to forgive me. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. So we offend the person, and then we re-offend that person because we're saying, there's something wrong with you because you didn't say, you know, just forget it. You didn't let me go. Reconciliation and all these different things that come after it, it takes some time. It takes some effort. And we need to understand that. But the inability to live forgiven the inability to receive God's forgiveness, the inability to forgive others causes you and I to be sick. It's been proven that physically we'll be sick. Emotionally, we can be sick with the anger and our, our levels and our way to deal with it. It's just so sh- short. We can be sick relationally and how we respond or how we're capable or in our friendships, even our ability. Relationally is damaged. Even spiritually, we become sick when we don't live forgiven. Carl Manger, who's a, a psychiatrist, said this. If he could convince every person in a psychiatric hospital that they were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out of the hospital the very next day. So even they understand this is not a psychiatric problem. This is a heart issue. So what does God and what does the Bible and what does the Word of God have to say about this heart issue. What is the solution to the heart issue? It's receiving forgiveness. It is giving forgiveness. So we're going to take some time with some self-reflection. I'm going to share some of the luggage that we're carrying, we're dealing with, and I'm going to want you to rate it. 
On a scale of 1 to 10, just put a number there in your notes that you're following along with me. But here's how we're doing it. We're doing a little backwards. 10 means I got a whole bunch of this. 10 means, oh, I got a whole bunch of this. 1 means, I'm, I'm okay. It's the opposite of how you normally do things, okay? Because uh, we like to say, oh, I'm not doing so bad. We kind of picked it up. No, 10 means, oh, I got a whole bunch of this, all right? And these are your notes. They're for you. We're not collecting them afterwards, so be grateful for that, all right? You can just respond, and so you can see where, hey, maybe I need to, to work in this area. All right? So we need to let go of some stuff. We have, inside your notes, five heavy bags God wants to replace. The very first one is this suitcase. The suitcase is doubt. It's the burden of doubt. Because we don't believe we're forgiven totally, maybe you'll argue with me about that. Well, I don't, I don't think that, you know... I think I'm forgiven. Yeah, if you're really forgiven, then you won't have all this doubt. Because forgiveness gives you a stability. A stability in your thinking. All right? This bag is filled with all of my doubts. My inconsistent thoughts about myself. Smile, look at somebody. Just just smile, look at them, okay? About them! You know, you got some inconsistent thoughts about them, about your thoughts about God. Well, I, I, I know that God's there. Yeah, but you, do we really trust him entirely? Okay? The definition of doubt is uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision-making. There's uncertainty, so I, I, I can't make this decisions. I'm uncertain about what I believe, so am I able to make the decisions about my future? Because doubt keeps interfering. It could be as simple as, as getting a job, you know, and you, your, your boss says, hey, you're doing a great job. I want to promote you. And, and you go, okay. And then you start thinking about, well, I don't think I, I, I'm going to be that good at it. I don't think I'm going to be capable. I, I don't know if I can trust these people around me to support me like that. I don't know that God's going to be with me, help me with all the problems. I don't know if I, I know how I mess up in a mistake. I don't know if I can be the person. So I'm not going to take the, I'm not going to take promotion. Or as simple as, God says, I want you to take this job. And you know God is saying it's what you need to do because it fits your gifts. It's what you need for your future. But you go, I don't see how financially I can do this right now. We're doubting God. We're doubting, well, maybe he'll be mad at me about something. Maybe there's some stuff that, you know, I'm not quite sure about our relationship with God, that he's going to be there for me. I know you're telling me, God, but I'm not sure. Because I don't know how it's going to work, so I'm going to do it my way. That's how not knowing you're forgiven affects you. And we're not living forgiven. You have doubts whether God's going to take care of you. President Roosevelt said this, the only limit in our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. This bag is full of doubts about ourselves, about our abilities, about others, about God. You doubt that maybe even God exists. You doubt God cares. How many times have we said, God, where are you? We doubt that God will forgive everything. Because I'm actually standing before God, will he have forgiven everything? Or is there going to be that one item I still remember? Doubts. Can I trust God? Will he bless me? God doesn't want you to live your life wondering. He wants to remove doubt. 
If, see, here's the whole thing. As Christians, in the very thing, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if you have doubts about whether or not he has forgiven you, about your foundation, you'll get so far and Satan will knock you down. You'll get so far and Satan will knock you down. A circumstance, a lot. It will happen every single time because your foundation is not firm in that forgiveness. It's important to know that and to have that forgiveness. It's a security. God says, I want to replace your doubts with security. Write that down. Security means I know for certain. Hebrews 10, God says, I will never again remember your sins and your lawless deeds. Now, when sin has been forgiven, there's no need to offer more sacrifices. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, so nothing more needs to be offered. It's a done deal. It starts by accepting it. Someone asked me sometime, well, what if somebody accepts the Lord and then he he turns from God and walks away from God and, you know, what will happen to them? Same thing happened the first time. God sought after you. God chased you. If you come to know him, he's going to chase you again. God will never, ever give up on you. That's what you need. So on a scale of one to ten, how much doubt do you have? Remember, ten goes, oh, I got a lot of doubt, a lot of doubt. Well, I'm, I'm doing all right. I got doubts now and then. Check our doubts. Make that mark. Now, I, I just want to let you know that this bag has lots of other bags because we've organized our life pretty good, and we've got all our stuff in here. And so in this, I got another bag uh, that we have, and it's our, our backpack. And so we're carrying this stuff around here. It's, it's our backpack. And on our backpack... Uh, you know, we dealt with doubt, and now we're, we're dealing with shame. We carry shame around. And shame is believing there's a remainder owed. There's something wrong. I, I, I know there's something I need. See, w- when you feel guilt and you experience that, it comes from your past, it comes from your mistakes, it comes from sin. Guilt is kind of this this thing, like the legal term of, of culpability. You, you know that you're a part. You understand that. It's God kind of just letting you know, you're outside my will for you. Step back in. It's a red light. It's a, it's a warning. Shame is when you just keep letting it go and you go to a place, now you have a lie that you believe about yourself. I'm always messing up. I'm just not enough. I'm just, you know, this lie This is the way my life is. This is the way it's going to be. This lie. And now you start living by that lie because you have to hide who you are because everyone knew who you really are. Ooh, that wouldn't work. They'd be saying, hit the door, Jack. Get out of here. Because I have shame. God is not the source of guilt or shame. We kind of believe that guilt is God's way of keeping us in line. It has nothing to do with that. It's a warning light he built into us. To let you know when you're outside, shame is where we've taken it and we've now made it a part of our life because we believe a lie about ourselves. And we're hiding from God. We're hiding from being forgiven. We're, we're keeping this part because no one's going to do it. We stepped outside of God's plan. It's the result of sin, disobedience, turning from God. It's not something he brings to us. Acts 13. Everyone who believes him is free from all guilt 
and declared right before God. This means simply I go back to the cross. I, I, I want to kind of look at me for a second. I, I, want, I want you to hear this really. I want you to hear what, what I'm going to say. Who are you to carry that shame when God, when Jesus has died for that already? You're saying he's not enough. You're saying he left some part undone. You're saying there's something. You have to take it back to the cross. The cross was enough. Jesus, you're enough. I am forgiven. You can say, I don't know why, I don't get it, but I am forgiven. And God says, I want to replace that shame with peace. I'm not wrestling. I'm not. God, I don't know why. I don't know. I just know you love me. I know you did it. Kind of peace. You rely on God's strength. You receive that forgiveness. So, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing on shame? Do you have some things that you're very shameful about? Is there shame in your life? Mark that number. Write it down. What type of peace do you have? That's a good idea of letting you know how much shame you have. You don't have much peace. It's hard sleeping. It's hard being around certain people. It's like you need that forgiveness. Yet, in our in our organization, we have more stuff stuck in here. We have, oh here it is. I got my briefcase. That's what I need. Yeah, got my briefcase because it's got all my legal documents. Leases and all the other things that I have. I need to have my legal stuff. These are my grudges. I have a reason to be upset with people about this because it's, you know, it's legal. It's justified. I have come up with a reason why these can't be forgiven, why I can't be forgiven. So I carry those with me. So I have the documents to pull out and look at them and review them all the time because these are, these are my grudges, how I see things, how I deal with things, the hurt feelings, the anger, the resentment, what people have done to me in the past. We're carrying these bags and they're destructive. Become a great weight that exhausts us, that weigh us down. Become a weight we've chosen to carry that makes our relationships difficult because, you know, when we judge one person, we start seeing everyone else. You're that type of person too. When you draw a line in the sand and you, everyone, you, well, you're crossing that line. I, I can see this. I, I may have to fill out a paper on you. Carry my grudges. God says, I have forgiven you of everything. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. God says, I want you to stop carrying these grudges, and I want you to take up freedom. Can you imagine a day when you just didn't relive that video of that hurt? A night that you didn't have a dream about it. You weren't worried about a conversation and somehow them going into this territory. 
and discussing it, meeting a certain person and feeling the reactions. God says, I want you to have freedom. I want to replace it with freedom. Because I want you to live forgiven. You've got to let go. You've got to let it go. It's for you. It's important. And God will release these grudges. He'll release them. Remember, you're carrying the weight, not them. The reason we keep grudges is because we think somehow it'll make the other person carry the weight. What becomes difficult in all that is that we find out they don't even remember. They don't even care. They're not even worried about it. But we are. Uh, Imagine that somebody has jumped, thrown a treasure overboard. And you see it and you jump off and you're trying to get this precious treasure and it's going down and you grab the handle and you get it. Okay, I've got it. And you're trying to go back up, but you're realizing this is too heavy. And it's dragging you further and further. At some point, you have to make a choice. Do I follow it till I die? There's nothing left in me? Or do I let it go? And I go back to life. You have a choice. God says, release it, let it go. Experience life. Forget, George McDonald says, forgiveness is the giving and the receiving of life. And Colossians says this to you as believers. You must. Not when you think about it, not when you feel about it. You must make allowances for each other's and their faults. Forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Freedom depends on us forgiving. We release grudges for freedom. So how are you doing on your grudges? Huh? On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? What would you rate? What number would you give yourself? 10 means I've got a lot of grudges. Or 10 means I have one grudge that I really am concerned about. Grudges. Write that number down. Now... We got more stuff. We always have something in here. Oh, here we go. I have, I have regrets. These are the things that I know I get, and it's like, if I'd only done it differently. If I'd only, you know, if I'd made this choice back then, and it's a regret. And, and we really like to sleep with that. We really, it's like we spend a lot of time with it. Here's an interesting thing about regret. Nothing you can do about it. And all the time you spend thinking about it, does nothing for you. It hurts you, harms you, makes you focus towards your past, and you're not focused towards your future at all. You can't even see things in the future because you only think of the past. And God says, I want to get rid of those regrets. I want to do something in your life. I want to change you so that you're not locked to that regret. I want to release you. Regret is defined as sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control or power to repair. It's beyond you. You can't do anything about it. Regret is worthless. It does nothing for you. But we love sleeping with it. 
You carry it. You're thinking about it. It's always the what ifs. Romans 4, 7 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. The Bible says mistakes, sins, missed opportunities are put out of sight. You're forgiven. It is, it is done away with. Are you seeing that God offers mercy every morning and then two or three times throughout the day, three or th- four times throughout the afternoon, four or five times during the evening, and then the next morning he starts all over and offering mercies again? Do you see that? Because this is for you. This is for your heart. This is where you're at. God says, all that regret, all that lost time, let it go. Get rid of it. Be released of it. When one door opens, another door opens. But so often we look so long and regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is open to us. Alexander Bell. So busy looking to the past. Don't miss it. My mom, when she was 15, she got pregnant with me. And back in that time period, it, it was not acceptable. It was not allowed. It, you, you, you were marked. And you were talked about. She could have spent her whole life saying, I messed up. I did something wrong. I'm a failure. I'm nothing. But she did the opposite. She started looking forward. Because of that, I'm a minister. Because of that, she raised all of us children to love and honor the Lord. And then she said, you know what? I have enough love for more. And 55 foster brothers. She began to care for and change it and put in their life. She spoke life into them. Because she looked forward, not backwards. What can God do with us if we'll let him help us look forward? Regret is worthless. Doesn't change what happened. Stop saying what if. Let it go. God replaces regret with hope. Hope. God says, I have so much more from you. Have hope in what I'm going to do. So, on regret, do you have a lot of regret? Is your number high? Because God wants you to have hope. Write that number down. On the back, number five. The burden of fear. The burden of fear. It causes us not to see the truth. It causes us to worry about things that are uncertain. When your forgiveness is certain, when your God is for you and he's forgiven you and you know he's going to be there for you, it overcomes fear. doesn't mean you won't have fear. It means you can walk through it. You don't have to carry the weight of fear. Being afraid, we're afraid to step into the future. We're afraid that we've missed our time. 
We're afraid of looking foolish. We're afraid of being successful. We're afraid of financial situations. We're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of not finding a spouse. We're afraid of finding a spouse and then losing that spouse. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of living. It's amazing how it is with us. No matter where we're at, we can be afraid. We can be paralyzed. It can be heavy. It can be overwhelming. And God says, I want to replace that fear with courage. Courage is the strength to go forward. What I get out of this, it's all right if we have fear. It's not good that we stay in that place of fear. And we can't get anywhere until we step into the fear. You can pray all you want, God, let the fear go away. It's not going to happen. But when you step, it's like this invisible wall. You step through it. And God will help you in that. But so many of us, we prefer to camp out with fear. This is a safe place. I like this place. I I know this place. I don't have to worry about things being different. This is good. It may be totally unhealthy for you. It may be totally damaging. It may be totally destroying the family. It may be totally destroying all your friendships. But I like this. We're going to camp here. God says, you know what? I need you to get rid of this. I need you to let this go and let me replace fear with courage. As the worship team comes, when God asks you to take the next step to a place you've never been before, a place that's uncertain, you don't know about, are you paralyzed by fear? What ifs and all the different things? Because you don't know that God is going to help you. God is going to be there for you. God is going to walk you through it. God has charted your course. He's showing you. And he says, you take the next step. I'll show you the way. Where's God asking you to step out of your comfort zone? It could be as simple as joining a growth group so that there's other people that can walk you through and, and guide you and direct you in that process. It may be just simply inviting others and saying, hey, you're afraid of that, but inviting others, you can find that, that God will change their life like he's changed you. It's probably to accept forgiveness from God. It's probably to give forgiveness to somebody. Because we're not sure how we'll go or what will be said or it'll be awkward or we're not sure their response and or we've judged them and we're pretty sure they're a jerk and it's never going to work out. But we're not doing what it takes to be free and to live forgiven. God says as best as it is with you, as much as you can, do what you can, but I want you to live forgiven. I want you to live in the power and the stuff that I have for you. So let go of this and have courage in what I'm going to do. Our biggest fear is death and what will happen when we die. Someday we're going to face God and we're going to be face to face. I'm bringing this up because it's a fear. God says, I don't want you to be afraid about your future. I don't want you to be afraid about my love for you. I don't want you to fear all these. I don't want you having doubt. I don't want you carrying shame. 
I have forgiven you. I don't want you worrying that someday you're going to stand there'll be some, some thinking you hadn't thought about and remembered and, oh, you're out. It's, I don't want you to have that. I want you to know how much I love you, how much I care for you. The joy you should be living with. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at in fear? Are you afraid of being before God? You should not be. He says, believe in me and I will do so many things. Accept my forgiveness. Why are we carrying around all these bags? Hebrews 12.1 says, we are surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight. Let's get rid of it. You can't be running with luggage. Get rid of it. Let go. Especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Run with endurance. The race God has set before us. God's forgiveness and power. Do you you want to be doubting everything or do you want security? You want to know what he's about. Do you want the shame? Knowing things that you've done wrong and do you want God's peace? Do you want grudges? Judgments? Things to be done a certain way or do you want freedom? Do you want regrets dragging and hitting at your feet continually? Or do you want hope? Do you, do you want to keep living in fear of what people say and what's going on and fear of whether I'm going to do it right, fear of the next thing? Or do you want to have courage? I just want everyone to, to bow their heads for a second. and I'm going to challenge you to let God work in your life to release, cause you to let go of some things and to release them, to receive forgiveness, to live the life he's, he's called you to live. Lord, as we start this prayer, we believe. This is what we believe. You are the Son of God. You are all-knowing. You are all-powerful. You are all-loving. You have prepared a way between you and the Father and a covenant that you've made that we can't mess up. But Lord, we have to accept your gift. We have to take it. We have to receive it. Times we've got to speak it out. I am forgiven. I am his. I am adopted. I do have authority. Lord, we have to surrender. We have to let you take charge. And we do have to say a prayer. We do have to express it. We have to say, God, hear my word. So right now, where you sit, This isn't just salvation. What we're talking about, 
your forgiveness. We're talking about you forgiving somebody else. We're talking about your forgiveness from God and receiving from it. We're talking about forgiveness. And you say, God, I know you can fix this heart issue. Tell them that in your heart. Say it out loud. God, I know you can fix this heart issue. I know you're the son of God. And God, I accept right now your forgiveness because I admit I'm holding grudges. I'm not forgiving myself. I'm not doing the forgiving that you want to do for me. Lord, I want all of your forgiveness. In my mind, I don't think I deserve it. I don't. You've already told me that, but you gave it anyway. I accept it. I accept it. I accept it right now. God, I surrender to you. Not my will, not my way, your way. You tell me I'm going to be a being. I surrender to you. This is my prayer, God. This is my prayer. I'm expressing it. You come with power into my life. And Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Release me. God, I want you to think of the name that you've been thinking about all as I've been speaking. Forgive them. Say their name. You're letting it go. You're enchaining yourself. You're trying to be free. Don't hold on to it. Lord, I forgive them. I release them right now. Now, God, release me. Release me to be all that you've asked me to be. God, some of this I don't even understand. It's going to be kind of a daily thing I'm going to have to keep working on because you're releasing judgments. You're releasing things. But God, I'm trusting you in your name. Amen. Will you stand with me right now? We're going to sing. And I want you to let this song be something that washes over you. I want you to sense that this is me singing lyrics, but this is something spiritual. God, your innocent blood, your innocent life set me free. I want all you got, not just forgiveness. I want your authority. I want your ring. I want your robe. I want your shoes. Oh, God. Come and wash me. Washing my 